Hey y'all, welcome to the Only One Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Willow. Through this podcast, we want to be your friends and sisters in Christ, and we want to remind you that you're not the only one who's been challenged or walked through new life experiences. We're here to share the wisdom God has given us with y'all. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back. This is episode seven, and I'm really excited for this one. We have a special guest. Uh, we're going to be talking about biblical singleness and contentment in singleness. So Emily's going to tell us a little bit about who we have today. Hi, guys. So we have a very special and very wise guest with us today. Mm. Um, I'm a little biased um, because she's my discipler, um, but we have... Sarah here with us today. Thank you for joining us, Sarah. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. (laughs) Um, So the first question that we want to ask you is when in your life have you felt like you were the only one? Yeah, um, I love this question. Um, So because we're talking about biblical singleness today, I'm going to take it from two angles. So singleness and then personal life. Um, so I feel like within singleness in your day to day or your week to week, you know, those moments when you really start to feel like the only one, like for some singles, it's Sunday evening when you've had a bunch of ministry and community and then Sunday evening, all the families go home, all the couples go home and you're kind of alone with a Mm -hmm. long stretch of time. And so there's those moments, um, or, you know, holidays, and identifying those moments well when you know, hey, I'm walking into this time when I'm going to feel like the only one because I don't have that kind of person to stand beside me in those situations. Um, it's very important um, as you're looking to live single in a emotionally healthy and biblically healthy way. Um, so yeah, that kind of speaks to, to singleness. And then personal life of feeling like the only one Um, It's kind of a long stretch of time, but I would say the semesters of my senior year, um, I was getting ready to graduate and um, getting ready to go overseas with a journeyman program when I was in a car accident and through kind of the medical tests from that, found out that I had cancer and my IMB application, um, you can't go overseas while you're currently going through cancer treatments. Um, So that stalled, Um, all of the plans I had after graduation stalled um, and a relationship stalled at that point. Um, So everything kind of fell apart and there was a lot of loneliness and then a lot of personal choice to be lonely, feeling like I was the only one. I decided to be the only one in some ways. So like no one can understand and I don't want to deal with the the shame and, and the emotions of having to share this with others. And so I spent that time, didn't tell anyone in my life really about the cancer diagnosis um, and was in a time of mourning and didn't allow my community to speak into that. Mm-hmm. So there was both life circumstances that made it feel like the only one, but then I also kind of chose to sit in my loneliness, my only oneness during that time. Mm. So, Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So we're going to be talking, like I said, about biblical singleness and contentment in singleness. So you have your notes. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is a subject that I am very passionate about because I feel like one of the biggest ways that Satan shows his deceit and his lies is within our relationships with each other because a lack of community and 
isolation is where it's easiest to believe lies and um, untruth. Um, so I'd say biblical singleness is um, important to define because it's not just I'm not in a relationship, right? Singleness can be I'm not in a relationship, but when we're looking at biblical singleness, it is I am not in the world's definition of a romantic relationship, mm-hmm. and I am striving to use that time well for the Lord. Mm, and so, <laughs> within that, if we're looking at biblical singleness as using time well for the Lord, contentment within biblical singleness is one of the most important definitions. If you get that right right off the bat, that will completely change your journey through singleness. Um, So contentment is when you believe mind, heart, and soul that where you are is what God's best is. Mm. And when you are completely convinced that you are within his preferred will, despite your circumstances, is where you are content. Um, And again, another important definition we see when Paul is talking about contentment, he says, I have learned to be content. He doesn't say contentment was given to me. He doesn't say I found it under a rock. He said I learned it. He didn't go into jail and was like, this is what God has for me, so I'm going to be fine and happy all day. But he had to struggle through that process of what does contentment look like? How do I live it out? And the learning process that we go through for any subject. And so um, there's nothing magical about contentment and singleness and nothing that will just one day hit you. Or it's the it's not the goal of singleness either, that if I get content in singleness, then God's going to be like, oh, level up. You can reach the next <laughs> step of life and start a relationship. But the goal of singleness, of contentment, of living biblically is to understand that God is best. His glory is primary in our lives. And through that, I desire to understand whatever circumstances I'm in, that this, his preferred will is going to be the best to make his glory known mm. through me as a broken vessel. So those are some basic definitions before jump into kind of the conversation of biblical singleness. Yeah, very cool. Um, so what is biblical singleness? Like how do we apply that to real life? How do we live yeah. single yeah. biblically? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is a little bit of a personal soapbox, but you live biblical singly sing live biblically single there you go english (laughs) um just by living biblically right it it shouldn't be that much different to live biblically in singleness and in marriage and you know in in widowship and everything there are several basic definitions that should just be true right you should be worshiping the lord you should be sharing the gospel you should be growing in knowledge of scripture you should be discipling and being in community and serving in a church and and desiring God's will for your life, no matter what definition that we're trying to put on life. And so in some ways within our culture of we find identity in our titles, we've decided that singleness, dating, marriage, friendship, all of those things are going to define us primary when really biblically is the first word in that sentence. And so biblically should be the first thing that is defining you. Um, so yeah, whatever stage of life you are, um, doing those things, following the biblical command to make disciples, to share the gospel, um, to love the Lord with all of your heart and mind and soul. Um, So those are some things that are just not going to change. And I would Mm -hmm. say whatever your situation is, hit pause, like in your life, hit pause until you can get to the point where you're living biblically. 
right? If you're, if you find yourself in a relationship right now and you're not living biblically, if you find yourself in singleness, those sorts of things, um, hit pause biblically is going to direct that second word, mm. whatever comes after whatever that title is biblically has to direct what that looks like. So, um, if we are living biblically, um, then living single, um, really it's just, I'm not in a relationship right now, whether that is by, you know, a, a personal choice circumstance, you're working through trauma. There's a whole slew of reasons why we find ourselves single in this world. Um, but I am going through life as a single person. Um, and so when you find yourself in that area, um, one of the most common things I have girls who are beginning discipleship or older women in the church, when they find out that I am out of college and single, they'll come to me with the, the verse from Genesis where it says, God saw that man was alone and that was not good um, and desired to create a partner, which is a beautiful verse because we see like the fall hasn't happened yet and God is already declaring something not good, right? We're still in perfection, mm -hmm. but he's declaring loneliness not good. And so these women will come to me and be like, okay, if God is saying this is not good, then singleness must not be good. Um, but he's not declaring singleness not good. He's declaring loneliness not mm -hmm. good. And there has to be a difference, right? So if you're feeling alone, that is not a result of your singleness. That's a result of lack of community. So don't do singleness alone. That is so important. Get single girls, get married couples and relationships around you. Um, and we see that in the early church that, you know, Paul, who was single, proponent of singleness, like he loved it. And there's, we'll go through Corinthians later, but Corinthians 7 is one of the best passages on all stages of life, but specifically speaking to singleness. But Paul spent a bunch of time with Priscilla and Aquila who are two of the sweetest um, church planners and kind of newlyweds, how do you do service examples in the Bible. Um, so get people around you so that you're never alone in your singleness um, and make sure that you have those two things set far apart. There has to be a difference between singleness and loneliness. Wow, good word. How do you think practically that that can be done? Like our how do you suggest seeking that uh, community? Yeah, um, I think there are several ways that that needs to happen. I think first and foremost is just openness and honesty. Mm -hmm. um, there, in a lot of ways in our culture, singleness has become kind of a disease and everybody's waiting for the cure, right? They're waiting for Prince Charming, you know, one guy to come through to finally cure me of my singleness. Um, but being honest with someone, whether you absolutely love your singleness or you're really hating it, you have to be able to be open in community and um, that openness, those genuine conversations is where you build that community so that you're not alone. Um, because you can have a really great group of friends and women around you and still be alone if you're not desiring for them to speak into your life. Um, so there has to be a level of openness there. Um, same with married couples, you know, they're, is sometimes married couples will not invite singles to things because they're like, I don't want them to feel alone because we're all paired up, paired off, or they will and they don't know how to invite a single person into their life. So those friends, when they do get married or as you're making friendships, being honest with them in what you need and then asking them that same question of, what do you need from me, right? Married people have different constraints on their lives and times that they wanna spend together. 
Um, but being honest and being like, hey guys, Sunday nights are really hard for me. I've had such a great day at church. I'm alone in my house. And just thinking about that loneliness and lean into community in those times. Um, so I even, when I was really struggling in that season of senior year of college, um, kind of a lot of things had fallen through. I went through my week and in my calendar highlighted the hours where I knew that the lies were gonna attack. I knew, hey, I'm gonna be alone in these times. I am not in a headspace to really allow the Lord to speak into this. And I need someone else to be there with me helping to battle those lies. Um, so finding people being honest, like, hey, I'm gonna struggle. I'm gonna be in a bad space emotionally. I need you to step into this and be here with me for these two hours and 15 minutes just to sit with me. Um, and to do that practically. So being honest with them, scheduling time with them, specifically when you know you're gonna need time with someone. Um, yeah, I would say those are some of the big ones. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, if you're the person stepping in and encouraging um, this person who's struggling, how would you go about that? Do you have like, um, I don't know, have you ever experienced anything like that where you've been the encourager? Yeah, um, I would say as um, kind of, especially single girls, you know, we kind of gravitate together and there's a tendency to like hang around each other and bash singleness and bash life in general, right? And so it's so important to in some ways be that pioneer in a way that isn't holier than now, just being like, I love my singleness, my singleness is the best thing in the whole world. Because uh, even if you love your singleness, we're all gonna struggle at some point in our lives. Um, because that's the nature of a broken world. Mm. Um, but having those times where you step into a group of single girls and you're like, hey, we are not going to talk about singleness or why that one guy won't text me back. Like We are going to intentionally live as people and just not talk about being single, right? Dating people are not always defining their relationship. There has to be time of getting to know each other. And in the same way, Single people should do that too. Get to know other single people on deep levels. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say the best things that my friend and I, my friend group and I did is we would schedule like no guys, no singleness nights where we would get dressed up, we'd go out to dinner and we could not talk about our relationship status. We could not talk about the guys in our life, whatever we were doing. Um, it was about like, what are you learning in your quiet time? Mm -hmm. What are you struggling with, you know, with family and those sorts of things and would have those intentional questions to get to know each other and have like this is off the table as a discussion topic. I love that. That sounds so fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun and such a good reminder that like, hey, you know, single, dating, married, I mean, we were all represented mm. in all of the stages of life, married with kids. We could all still come together and just be women yeah. who are following the Lord regardless of what our life at home looked like. So, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. What about girls who are very recently single? How would you... Like how how do you um how would you encourage as someone who's coming into their lives and they are recently single how would you encourage them to grow to find that contentment and joy in singleness Yeah, um, I would say recently single, give yourself time to grieve. First of all, you are moving a life stage. They, I mean, the Bible says there is a time for mourning and a time for laughter, and call to your friends 
to be with you in that time. Like, that's what that passage in Ecclesiastes is talking about. There is a time for everything. Everything has that time. Um, so don't be afraid to sit with that woman in your life, that girlfriend that is just really struggling. She does not need to be okay today. It is okay to take that time to process well, to mourn, and then to look to what contentment in singleness will look like. Um, so I would say first night, show up with a tub of ice cream. I don't know if I would necessarily recommend rom-coms in that moment, but <laughs> um, Lord of the Rings is my go-to. If I have a friend that is like, just went through a breakup, whether it was sad or messy or traumatic or those sorts of things, like action with like quiet moments where you can just get geared up and be like, I am upset at the whole world and I want a sword right now. And then other moments where you're like, I just want to eat everything. Lord of the Rings has all of that. So find a go-to movie where you don't have to ask them. Like they're not going to be ready to make that decision of like, what do you want to watch? What do you want to do? Show up to their house, put ice cream on the table, throw on a movie, and then whenever they're ready to talk, give them time to be silent, time to cry, time to mm -hmm. talk, those sorts of things, and let them work th through that process naturally, right? Because we all have that one friend that's just going to, like, shove it down and muscle through for, like, a week and then just going to fall like a baby eventually. And we have the friend who needs to cry first thing and then is going to be okay. Um, so you know your friends well, so let mm -hmm. them process how they need to. Um, I would say... There are some like warning signs or like a kind of like a litmus test for when are you not healthy processing mm -hmm. um, because bitterness is really easy to recognize. And so if you see them only talking about their relationship in a state of anger or only talking about it in kind of a state of apathy or depression, those sorts of things, when you start to see one emotion prevail over all, um, then that is a time to start to step in with biblical encouragement of... Um, just God's timing, God's will, those sorts of things. And then also if either the relationship is all they talk about or they will not talk about it at all, I think both of those are really healthy places to step in mm -hmm. and either to ask good questions of like, you know, if you need to have the night of, hey, we're not going to talk about this dude or the relationship, those sorts of things. Um, but asking other questions of like, how are you doing in your quiet time? You know, how are you stepping back into community? Um, asking those pointed questions on both sides of over communicating and not communicating to kind of remind them like, Hey, processing is good. Life still exists and it's beautiful and there's beauty in that. Um, so give them time, mourn with them, have a kind of setup, um, for how you want to encourage them. Um, but also, in a lot of ways, you only have one relationship that works out, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes, especially as Christian women that have heard all of our lives that you're going to turn 18 and find the perfect guy and he's going to have a dove descend over your head and you're going to know that's the one. And then you get into life and that is not true at all. There's and no halo. There's no glowing yeah. ray of sunshine <laughs> from the sky. There's nothing. There's no guarantee. And so that reminder too of like, Every woman who is currently married got it right once and went through a breakup. Mm. And so sometimes when you're going through a breakup, you're like, oh my gosh, why would God have this for me? Like, I've never had a successful relationship before. It's like, hey, that's true for every woman mm. who is not married. And every woman who is married, once. It only happens. So 
a breakup does not mean that you are not successful in relationship. It does not mean that you are not a godly woman. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have a successful full life relationship. Um, but reminding them of those things too, that, you know, that's, that's not the goal of life and success is not determined by lack of breakups or mm. finding your, the one in the first relationship. Good word. So wise. Yeah. Um, how would you encourage a girl who maybe is scared of commitment, um, who has feelings for a young man, but is scared to take the next step? Man, that is such a good question. And honestly, I, um, I feel like it's been a huge struggle in my own life. Um, I came, uh, I had an amazing disciple our freshman year, Kaylee, um, who was able to talk to my angry little um, pseudo-feminist heart that was like, I don't want anything to do with guys. I'm going to be single and on mission and I don't care. Um, and then uh, I came into college and was like, oh, there's a cute guy. Oh no, what do I do now? <laughs> and it was like, everything I've stood for. Yes. <laughs> Um, and so one of the best things that both has carried me through that situation of struggling with commitment and then, you know, breakups that are difficult and then you struggle to trust guys and yourself and those sorts of things is first and foremost, God doesn't call us to trust other people. He calls us to trust him and then he lives within other people. And so mm. you must first and foremost know that this guy has the Holy Spirit. Does he have Jesus inside of him? And then your job is to trust God. And if this guy, if you are in a triangle and you guys are right here and God is at the center, if you're moving towards God and he's moving towards God, then eventually you will get closer. Mm. Um, and so there are ways that commitment is really in God's hand and not yours at the end of the day. Um, so kind of a Christian cliche, but give it up to God um, and and know that if there is heartbreak and there is a a moment where the trust that you've given proves to be untrue that again within heartbreak your job is still not to trust that no man will ever break your heart again no man will distrust you but that god is greater than the heartbreak mm. and he'll be greater mm. than any subsequent and he will heal so yeah i would I say that. within fear of commitment is it's going to be present within your relationship for the rest of your life um and so in those moments, leaning into who God is and who he can be in other people. Yeah, that's so good. Um, what advice would you give to a girl who is constantly being pursued by a lot of guys but is not interested in any of them? Mm. Yeah. This one is hard within Christian circles especially because almost there's this idea that if you're being asked out by a bunch of guys, then you're automatically a flirt. And there's like that, that fear in your heart of like, am I flirting? Am I pursuing these guys or anything like that? Um, but if you just sit somewhere in the world and watch women go by, um, they don't smile a lot, you know, to strangers and to guys and things like that, because we do have a world where strangers are dangerous. Stranger danger is a thing for a reason. And so when a guy walks into a Christian ministry and there's this girl who's 
perky and happy and excited for him to be here because she's trying to welcome him into Christian ministry. He's like, oh my gosh, she must want to marry me. She's smiling <laughs> at me. <laughs> so, Eye contact. Yeah. My goodness. Honestly, in some ways. And so I would say, um, first of all, as us, as other women, it is our duty as her sisters in Christ, if there is a you know, moment where she's like, hey, I need help. Please don't let me talk to a guy alone. Sit with her. Be around her. Um, but also there's no guilt for her there of if she's just trying to welcome them into Christian community, like communicate that to her of like, you are doing well. And I mean, at the end of the day, there's nothing terrible about being asked out and saying no, right? Guys are accepting that there is a 50-50 possibility of yes or no. And if he will not take any other answer than yes and is pushy, that's on him for a lack of emotional immaturity. And that's not on you to make him emotionally mature through that. Um, so in a lot of ways, it's not your responsibility if you're there being a human and fulfilling your God-given call to hospitality and a guy takes that as I want to marry her. Well, then good <laughs> for you for being a godly woman that guys see those qualities in and say no and understand that you don't that they don't deserve a certain answer from you and you aren't required to give them one ever. Um, so yeah, I would say that to a girl who's trying with that. That's really good. Yeah. What would you say to the girl that is on the totally other side of that where maybe she has a friend who is the one who's constantly getting asked out and she's never getting any attention from guys and she feels maybe that like only one-ness in that kind of circumstance mm. yeah um i would say honestly whatever you're struggling with in any situation that's going to be a blanket answer um but communicate it to someone honestly and openly and i feel like this can be kind of a shame especially if you're like college age where you're like no one's asked me out or no one seems interested and so you don't talk about that with other people. Um, but if you communicate that, then you're gonna be very surprised by the number of women who are struggling with that same issue. Mm. Um, just through discipleship and talking with other women, I could name five or six offhand that have asked me that same question. And um, it's such a difficult question to answer and in some ways ironic that we have two such different spectrums they're both struggling in such real and valid ways mm -hmm. with what um, singleness is and so again communicate that that is not her fault first and foremost um that i mean the lord will put you in different situations and so at times it's a lack of availability right sometimes you're just not around christian men and that's an important distinction sometimes you're around a lot of christian boys and so if you are a woman who is emotionally mature you're going to be intimidating to the immature mm. and so until you're around christian men nobody is going to feel like they can ask you out um and again that one is tricky advice because you don't in the same way the girl who's getting asked out you don't want to communicate that she is immature in any ways uh, but maybe it's you know, more accessible to the guys, um, whatever that situation would be. But to the girl who isn't getting asked out, um, I would say contentment and singleness is so important. However, if you do desire marriage and dating and those sorts of things, we kind of 
in some ways over-spiritualize them in that you have to wait for God to send a guy to your doorstep, right? But if that's a desire in your heart, you know, Paul, again, in that Corinthians passage is going to say, you know, if you burn with desire and it's going to cause you to sin, then marry, which is an actionable step. And so we sometimes um, make it seem like you have to be in singleness until one day the doors open and you level and up have to the Hallmark movie moment of <laughs> yeah. dumps coffee on my dress and everything goes wrong until everything is right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, within that, as someone who dumps coffee on myself and has had coffee dumped on me, you end up with coffee on you. Like that's all that happens. So like, don't <laughs> wait for that moment. Um, <laughs> But yeah, if, I think it's totally okay if you are around a bunch of Christian boys and desiring dating, there's nothing wrong with moving to an area where Christian men are, mm. right? We say, you know, if we don't deal with, I want to go to college, but I'm going to wait until God drops a college in my lap. It's okay to apply to college. It's okay to, to you know, apply to scholarships, those sorts of things. We don't deal with job interviews in that way of like, I'm going to wait till someone walks into my house and offers me a job. Um, but we can pursue those things. And so if you're at a point where you haven't been asked out, you're desiring a dating relationship, and you feel like you're not fleeing singleness. Don't ever date out of a desire to flee singleness. But if you feel like, I loved singleness, but I desire marriage, and I'm, I'm struggling with that, it is okay to move into a space where you can be more accessible to those Christian men who would mm-hmm. um, satisfy those checklists and non-negotiables and those sort of things so I love that um is it okay to want to be single absolutely (laughs) um (laughs) I would say it's rare um I think it's also okay to want to be single and not know if you want to be single for life Hmm. right um so like personally right now in my life I absolutely love singleness and I want to be single I love the way that I'm able to do ministry um I work in ministry I'm going to seminary like life is very full and so I know that personally I don't have the emotional capacity to give to dating well and so if I was today even as a emotionally mature quote-unquote person um because we're all emotionally maturing and you never reach that point but I know that in this season of life, I will not date well and will not step into that well. Um, and so singleness is a choice for me right now. I don't know if it's a choice for me for life because mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you don't know anything for life because God is who he is and he's going to do what he wants to do. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's totally okay and beautiful to desire singleness. I'm going to quote the Corinthians passions all the time. Um, But Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 talks about, I wish you could all remain as I do. Um, So he even desires that for other people, not even just for himself. Mm. Um, So yes, as a choice, Christian singleness is beautiful, um, especially when it comes from a place of contentment. But I would say that sometimes we use singleness as a masquerade for our own bitterness that if I've been through a traumatic relationship or a breakup or there's just no guys around me that I like and I see them all as boys, then I'm like, I'm going to be single because I'm just so much better and I don't want to be a part of it. But really that's coming from a place of heart and a desire to not openly communicate that with women around you of I've been hurt, I desire a relationship, I don't feel like I'm at a place where that is a healthy desire, so I'm going to choose singleness in order to learn contentment. Right, because in some ways, if you can't be content in singleness, it's not going to be helped contentment in dating, mm. because contentment is a belief that God's will is the best place for you to be, 
And so if that is not true of every situation, no geographical, emotional, relational place will ever get you to a point where you believe that God's will is better than your own desire. So, Good word. Yes. Very good. As a single girl slash woman, should you be um, preparing for a future spouse or boyfriend or whatever? Like you talked about non-negotiables a little bit like that. Um, I absolutely love this question because yes, in that as we as a society and as Christians have desired titles, we've kind of separated like I'm preparing for marriage and I'm being a godly woman when really aren't the qualifications for the same. You know, if I'm going to be a godly woman, then I'm hospitable and I am, you know, loving and I am pursuing Christ first and foremost. I am growing in scripture. I am active within the church. And how is that any different than being um, a godly woman? Um, So I would say in a lot of ways, allow your pursuit of the Lord to be your preparation. Um, There shouldn't be that much different, right? If if you think about the practical tasks of a household, like I want to learn to, to cook and clean for my husband or those sorts of things that um, society has on kind of Christian women especially, um, then move out of your parents' house, get an apartment. Like that practical, I need to be alive, will be that sort of more mm-hmm. practical preparation for marriage. Um, if you really want to be practically preparing for marriage, get a roommate, like learn how to live together in a shared space. Um, So those sorts of things of meal prepping with someone or making financial grocery decisions, that is totally okay to live in that way of desiring how to prepare. But as far as becoming who you are supposed to be, um, there's a verse that in Proverbs says, you know, a godly um, wife who can find she's more precious than rubies but the actual translation of that there is no specific way to translate wife or woman they're mm-hmm. the same word and so that same idea of a godly woman who can find because even if it's not a part of a relationship there's so much beautiful gemstone worldly and godly value within that of being a godly woman, even if it isn't attached to a man, you're still serving and loving and building up the kingdom as a single woman with worth and value in the same way of a godly woman. So prepare in the same way for both would be my answer to that. Love it. Great so answer. <laughs> yeah. um, just one final question before we wrap up. Um, is there any resources or additional passages that you haven't talked about that you would recommend to single girls whether they're in the recently single contently single or on their way out of singleness um is there any like resources or content that you would recommend to go further into this topic than what we've just discussed now yeah um okay i have some books that are my favorite that i'll get to at the end Um, but I would say kind of a random one that isn't usually connected to the idea of singleness. Um, Song of Solomon as a book is again, all about a relationship as they are striving for purity and being passionately in love and things like that. And there is three times where the woman in Song of Solomon is talking 
to the daughters of Jerusalem, which at that time, if you're saying those words, that would mean the unmarried, the virgins of the city. And she says, um, I know it's Song of Solomon 8, 4, I think it's 3, 5, and maybe 2, 7, but three times she repeats this. She says, oh, daughters of Israel, I plead with you. Mm. Do not awaken or arouse love before it pleases, before it's time. And she says this over and over again. Um, And I think this is so important for single women to understand because we live in a culture that awakens love so early with the internet, with pornography, with romantic books. There's so many traps to fall into awaken love. But specifically, when you go into the Hebrew, this word that they're using when they say awaken or arouse is the same word, and it's or, and it means to arouse oneself as if from sleep. So that idea that it's a personal action that we're taking. And so if we ourselves are awakening love, then she's saying as she, I mean, they're struggling for purity. They're building up to the wedding, but they're passionately in love. And she is pleading with these women. She asked them to take an oath seven times. She asked them to take an oath to perfection is how passionate she, passionately she believes in this. Um, and saying, please do not allow yourself to awaken love before God's timing. And so I would say practically within this, as we're looking within our society, the ways that we awaken love, um, if I'm lonely on a Saturday night, I pull out the rom-coms and the ice cream and the T-Swift. Like those are where (laughs) you go. And we don't think about that as awakening love, but that is when you awaken that desire. And when we awaken a desire for love with a person, that is a beautiful relational love that God created. But when we are alone in our house and awakening love with the, you know, not sinful, but, you know, rom-coms and those sorts of things, or the sinful means of romantic books or, you know, R-rated movies, things like that, that is a selfish love that's Mm -hmm. saying, I deserve this because my emotions are telling me so. And I'm going to feed those emotions. And that brings that downward spiral of my singleness is about me. So if your singleness is about you, you're going to move into a relationship believing it's also about you. When really a relationship and singleness should all be pointing to the glory of God. Um, So I would say that is so important for you to get in your singleness is don't awaken that love. And again, if you walk into a relationship having awakened love and believing that your emotions should be what feeds your need, you'll walk into a relationship and when you feel those emotions, now I'm not going to turn to rom-coms, I'm going to turn to that guy and I'm going to cross boundaries, emotional and physical, because my emotions are telling me that's what I need to feel good and to feel secure in my relationship and in who I am. Mm. So not awakening love and not talking, I love a good rom-com. I think T-Swift is great, but watch those in the proper time. You know, watch those when it's not an emotion-driven need, mm. but it's, hey, I'm with my girlfriends, and this is going to be fun, and this is going to be healthy. And in those moments, um, some of the things, uh, advice I was given um, as a single woman is don't have a TV remote. Like, if it's not worth it to walk across the room, then it's not worth it to watch. And so in those moments where I'm desiring a rom-com, I make sure that my Bible is closer than the TV mm. so that when I'm up, I see it first. And I'm like, okay, this is going to fill that emotional void that I feel more than the rom-com would ever. Um, and I understand that biblical singleness is where I should turn first and foremost. And that constantly re- rewires your brain for a relationship as well of when I'm feeling emotional need, then I understand that I'm not turning to that external source of my boyfriend or husband, but I'm understanding that God fills it first Mm. because I first learned that in singleness. 
Um, so that would be a passage that I love for singleness. And then just book-wise, if you're desiring resources, Thrive by Lena Abu-Jamra, probably butchered her name, is my favorite book about singleness. Like, honestly, I would say I probably read it once a year, if not more, um, just because she is such a great resource. She is a missions director and a ER doctor all in the same time. She is single and in her 40s, 50s, has lived a single life in Christian community, is so honest and so hilarious about how she lives through it. Um, But it's just really real and deals with some of those practical things. So I would recommend any book by her. Um, And then um, I would say uh, Single Dating Engaged Married is always a really good resource. Again, one that you should read in the proper time because it does deal with all of those four stages of life. Um, And so it can be easy to flip through singleness and then move to dating and see that as, okay, this is the next step. When often singleness can be a lifelong season um, and it is a gift. And so if you believe that you're just made to level up in order to get to a place that's best, then maybe don't start with that book. Start with a book that's going to deal with um, singleness in itself. So those sorts of things. Great. I'll have to read those books too. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming and sharing all your wisdom with us yeah, so good so so much wisdom if yeah pause the podcast rewind it take notes watch listen to it again all of it so much wisdom packed into for sure like 45 minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah we will have to have sarah back for more topics absolutely um, she has so much wisdom and i Love her so much. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Um, and on that note, yeah, we'll be back next week. Yeah, talking about something. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.